It's for using the bathroom. They literally would, so they don't have to go outside at night, use the chamber pot, and the next morning when it's time to tidy up around the house, they walk over to the window that there's no glass on, and they just throw the contents of the chamber pot out into the street. That was, that's, that's common. That's what happened. So not only was it uh, animal dung, it was human feces mixed in with all of that. And they're walking on that with sandals. No wonder the custom of the day, much like if you go to Japan, other uh, oriental uh, countries, still to this day, you can basically determine how many people are in the house by counting the shoes that are outside at the door because they all take their shoes off when they walk inside. That custom is carried over from the days that we are just talking about when they're walking around with, with sandals on and, I mean, just, let's just be honest. You cannot walk through a world like that and not get some stuff on your feet. Everybody gets stuff. Tell, tell your neighbor that. Everybody gets you. Tell them, even you, you get stuff on your feet. We all do. Not picking on the disciples. It's, it's, a, it's a byproduct of walking in a fallen world. Just, you just pick up the noxious odors. And the custom was when you walked into a house, you took your sandals off because you don't want to track that in. But then... The remnant of the splashings of the day were still on your feet. And it, it's just beyond the decorum of the day for, for you, to, um, you to, to sully and pollute your own hands by washing the animal dung and the debris of the day's journey off of your own feet. The lowest servant of the house was assigned the humiliating task of washing animal dung off of everybody's feet. And that's so that when they partook of the supper, the dinner, they didn't sit at chairs like we did. They mostly reclined. That means your feet could be very close to somebody else's mouth and certainly to their nose. And when the disciples arrive in that room, I don't know why. I've thought this through. I have no idea why. But nobody washed feet. Nobody. I'm not sure what their reason was. Maybe uh, it was such things like, I did it last time. Or, I'm the old to do this. Or I am a second-year student. Or I was picked before him. Jesus picked me before him. Therefore, he always does, not me. I'm not sure what, but the, at the root of the matter, it doesn't matter what their reasons were. It's all the detritus of human ego. Their ego was 
as badly polluting the atmosphere as the noxious smells from their feet. It's terrible. And it's into that atmosphere that Jesus walks. Expect to be consoled, knowing he's, this is my last night, I want to make it understand it, but still, I, I, could, I really could appreciate, I, I, would, I would enjoy some company from these, these guys that love me and I love them. And he walks into that room only for his nose to be assaulted by the stench of pride mixed with animal dung. And, and you can't make the excuse that there was no water there because they followed a man bringing the water. The water was there. The opportunity was there. They just refused. Sometimes we ignore the stench that is among us, thinking if we ignore it long enough, it goes away. Sorry, doesn't work like that. And you wonder why people from secular society walk inside of our churches, take one sniff, and they say, huh, smells in here just like it does at my work. I see the strife and the, 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 the competition and who's on first. I, I recognize it. They're not dumb. They can smell. They can see. And when they walk inside our churches and it smells just like it does on their job sites, no wonder they turn around and never darken the doors again. It's because it stinks. And we walk around pretending like everything is fine. How you doing? God bless you. We obey the speaker. Turn to somebody. Love you, brother. You don't mean that. Just doing things. You're just saying things. Because if you really meant it. I was, uh, one time I was. I feel the presence of God coming in here strongly right now. One time I was eating uh, lunch. I can tell you where I was preaching. I was preaching in Peoria, Illinois. And uh, the pastor, named, I think his name was Lash, Lashley or Lashy, and he invited me out. He said, come on, we're going to have a fresh, it was springtime. The weather was beautiful. Temperature was perfect. He said, uh, I've got a, a, a farmer in my church, and they've invited us to come out to eat lunch today on the farm. Fresh, fresh home-cooked, fresh vegetables. And we went to the farm, and uh, the man was a dairy farmer. And the, the windows were open. There was a, a, this was my first time to be at that church. This was, I, I'd never met the farmer or his wife and a couple of other guests that were there. So we're all new to each other and on our best behaviors. Our napkins are folded. Our etiquette is, uh, etiquette is all uh, appropriate. And, and, and it's been a wonderful day. The food was incredible. It's so fresh, so good, so amazing. Uh, that part of I was famous for its corn. They had fresh shook corn that was just beyond amazing and then and then the wind shifted all the windows were up because of the 
the beauty of the day and the, uh, the air. And he had something like 400 head of dairy cattle. I don't know if you've ever been on a dairy farm or, or better than that, have you ever been downwind of a dairy barn? When the wind shifted, the astrid smell of accumulated cow dung. I'm just, I, I told my wife I was going to quit cursing, so I didn't say anything bad. But you imagine. When I tell you that the hairs in my nose curled, I was in mid-bite, and when it hit me, and I was, my lungs rebelled and said, don't you dare send any of that down here. If you do, we're coughing it back up. And I almost coughed the food off of my fork. And, and yet I'm trying to pretend like, and, and, and the poor farmer, He's done it for so many years, his nose hairs are burnt up. He can't even smell it. He's just eating and talking about how good the food is. And meantime, the rest of us there are just looking at one another with tears rolling down our eyes. We're, we're like, and he said, how's the food? Good. I mean, you get the hiccups trying to breathe. It's so pungent and so said... And, and we're, we're just trying to, yeah, how's the food? Oh, it's very, very good. You can't, you can't taste the food because your, your nose and the smell is so overwhelming, you can't taste how good the food is. But we're all pretending, yeah, we're fine. Everything's okay. Sometimes we sit around in our churches and we pretend like, Everything's fine. Meanwhile, the stench of jealousy and the smell of discord is so rampant in the room that anybody walking in from outside, but we've become so accustomed to it. We no longer notice the discord. And then when then the, the lady of the house, she had disappeared into the kitchen at that moment when the wind shifted and she came back out bearing another tray of incredible, incredible stuff. And when she did, she took one whiff and she said, Oh my God, it stinks in here. And I'm like, Hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody finally admitted the obvious. She set the tray of food down and she closed the windows and turned on the air conditioning and we could eat. When Jesus walked into that room that day, all he could smell was the discord of egomaniac disciples who refused to pick up the towel of servanthood and wash one another's feet. Not even the common courtesy. Now, if you study that passage, we all know what Jesus did, that he washed their feet, but... Do you know when he washed their feet? He did not wash their feet before the meal. You read it. It's after. It's like he waited 
And just kept, is, is anybody going to do it? And finally when the meal is done and he realizes nobody's going to do it. Scripture says, and after a while he, he rose and he took off his outer garments. The, the king of glory disrobed himself and picked up the towel of servanthood and he began to wash their feet. Can you imagine how humiliated they are now that Jesus is washing? Why? Because when he walked in that room, the first thing that assaulted his nostrils was that smell. And he knew that it had to be done, that somebody needed to do it. And so using the moment as another teaching moment, he picks up the towel and begins to wash their feet. I talked to you yesterday about carried a sword. We don't know for how long. My guess is from the beginning. Never got rid of it. Was always anxious to use it. As evidenced by later that night, he's sitting there with a sword on. And that's typical of Peter. When, when Jesus comes to him to wash his feet, Peter says, no, you're not washing mine. And the only time I find in the scripture where Jesus threatened to kick a disciple out was at that moment. And he said, if I don't wash your feet, you're not one of mine. Peter, oh, wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my face. Peter, you do not have animal dung on your face. We switch from being ego-driven to trying to out-humble one another. Wash my face. No, it's not your face. You, you didn't walk on your face. Walked on your feet. It's your feet that are dirty, okay, Peter? That's what we're doing. Some of us, we vacillate between being fleshly driven and trying to out-spiritual one another. I wish we would just grow up. And when you say, it's me, wash my feet. The, the, the shocking thing, the thing that I want to bring home to you in these last few minutes today is, again, the symbol of his kingdom was not a sword, but it was a towel. We are quick to pick up the sword, but we are slow to pick up the towel. We are quick to divide the body, but we are slow to do what's necessary to unite the body. I think that at the end of the supper, in, in, in accordance with this prayer that he prayed, Jesus knew the only way to bring unity is somebody has to display servanthood. Servanthood creates unity. As you go to serve congregations and people and nations and, and employers, if you're willing to be a servant, you can bring unity to any environment. But that means your will has to be submitted. And you, you, you cannot legitimately pray thy kingdom come until you first pray my kingdom go. We are all quick to parrot the phrase thy kingdom come, but we never pray the part my kingdom has to go. When his kingdom comes into dominance, your kingdom has to decrease. 
John the Baptist said he must increase and I must decrease. And even though John, the Bible said, Jesus said about John that there was none greater among men born to woman than John. John was stated by Jesus to be the best one ever born to woman. When it came John's turn to decrease, and he said, can you send Jesus a message? Is he the one? Should we look for another? In other words, I'm in jail. You know what happens to these people in jail? Jesus responded back, blessed is he that's not offended in me. And what about his business? In other words, John, you preached that it was going to be a time of decrease for you and a time of increase for me. Well, that's happening. And now you have a hard time living with it. I want to tell you, if you want to be successful in ministry, you have to be as careful during your times of decrease as you are celebratory during your times of increase. Because you will have both. And everybody that you meet on the way up, you will also meet on the way down. Because God lifts up and he pulls down. And there will be, it's like breathing in and out in your life when God says, okay, you need to step back. And John, we, John did not want to exit the stage. You've, you've seen the old familiar thing when a performer doesn't want to exit the stage and they reach a big hook out and they just pull them off the stage. John had to almost be pulled off the stage so that Jesus could take center stage. It's our egos that want to keep us at center stage. And we love the grand entrances. God's man for the hour. <laughs> it embarrasses me. need about three extra minutes here. I'm aware of the time. I know it's 12. I just need about three minutes. When I was about eight years old, shortly after I talked to you yesterday, when that season where my dad prayed over me, it really wasn't too much after that. I used to love to listen to the preachers when they came by their house to stay up late at night and talk to my dad. Even though I didn't really understand everything that they were talking about, I just loved hearing their stories. And so I would stay downstairs in the den where they would be congregated, three or four of them, and they would uh, tell stories. But it would just really be getting to the juicy parts when my bedtime came. Supposed to go to bed at 8:30, if I remembered correctly, and my dad would say, "Son, it's time to go into bed." And I would, I could hear them just saying, "Okay, now he's out of the room. Let's really." One night, I actually snuck back to the top of the stairway and laid down on the top step so I could eavesdrop on there. Only problem is, I fell asleep there. When my dad came upstairs to go to bed, there was a rude awakening. Uh, but I wanted to stay in the room, and I'll never forget one day, and if I named some of the ministers that were in the room that day, you might would know some of them, uh, Pastor Dennis and Ginger for sure would. They, they were there and discussing some things with my dad, and 
Uh, it was really good and it was juicy and I wanted to hear it, but I knew it was coming. I, I saw the clock ticking toward 8.30 and I had an idea. I ran and got my shoe shine kit. And I came back out and I said, hey, I want to shine the shoes. And I went to the three other pastors that were there and said, can I shine your shoes? And I, I know in their mind, they thought, oh, little guy, he wants to earn some money. And I said, no, no, I, I don't want any money. I just want to do it. So it's about 8.20, and I grabbed their shoes real quick, sat over in the corner, and the, is I applied a thick coat of polish on all the shoes so that at 8.25, they just had so much wax on them, they were in terrible shape. And my dad said, son, it's time to go to bed. And I said, I can't. Look, look at their shoes. I got polished over all their shoes. And I'm sure my dad realized what was going on. But he said, okay, you can stay in to finish their shoes. And I very slowly started shining the shoes and taking the polish off. So, but I was listening. That began my pattern. And my dad knew it was a game we played. But I learned the secret power of servanthood. That if you're willing to be a servant, you'll be allowed access into areas that are otherwise off limits to you. It's what Jesus did. And that's what you need to do. Um, uh, Pastor Dennis Ginger, can you come up here for a second? And then, young man, right here, would you come and stand right here? And uh, young young lady, right here, would you come stand right here? Just come stand right. Stand on that first step, or maybe the second step, if you don't mind. Um, do you have some Kleenex? Do you have some tissue? Any, any, anybody? You have some right there? No, thank you. Just, can you get some out for me there? Oh, got it. Thank you. I don't have my shoe shine kit. Just borrowed Kleenex. I may have written 38 books. I may have preached in 70 countries. I may have. Uh, uh, one of my books was turned into a movie, One Night with the King, uh, 20th Century Fox. I was the co producer. I've done a lot of stuff. But if I ever get too big to shine shoes, I'm useless for the kingdom. I'm useless. I don't have my shoe shine kit. Can you stand up there for a moment, too? Uh, all I've got is this little Kleenex. But so, Father, I, I wipe the debris of the journey off my sister's feet. I don't know. The rejection she may have faced, the gender bias, the difficulties. I make myself her servant.
Father, I joked and laughed with my little friend here with the socks. He inspired us to have a great moment. I wiped the debris of the journey off of him, off of his feet. How beautiful are the feet of those. I, I, I know some of the things that the Lindsay family has gone through. You can't do ministry as long as they have done, as faithfully as they've done it. We talked yesterday about some of the painful things of the journey. And I smell the beauty of their attitudes. I just like the debris of the journey. What are you doing? You just watching? Oh, maybe you're too important, too uh, spiritual to wipe the dust of the journey off of somebody next to you. You can either be a spectator or you can become what Jesus is talking about. I challenge you, if you have nothing but your hand, there's somebody next to you that it's not their fault, they're just walking through life and things, you just pick it up. They need somebody like you to wipe the dust of the journey off of their foot. But you may be too, too important. Otherwise, I'm going to wipe the feet off of Pastor Dennis. The rest is up to you. Whether you're going to be a servant or not. But servanthood is the secret sauce to creating unity. Do something about it right now. And smell the change that happens in this room when all of you pick up the towel. We don't need any clapping. Just, just do the stuff. Father, I wipe the debris of the journey off. Pastor Dennis, <laughs> we laughed about his, his dinosaur. He's, he's so many attacks and so many things. <laughs> we laughed about his run-down shoes, but the truth is he don't really care. He, just wants to do the stuff. I just wipe their feet. Make myself a servant. I love you.